Hey, this is Obes. And this is Cha. And you're listening to Run the Play, the show that's sports, sports, and more sports. Football and basketball mainly, but if there's something crazy going on in the wide world of, I don't know, equestrian, we'll talk about that too. Cha, what do we have up first? So first up, we have quite a few highlights from this past weekend of college football. First up, Illinois upset number six, Wisconsin. Is Lovey Smith really turning this thing around in, in Illinois? Um, maybe. You know, <laughs> they've been, I would say, up and down. Although they've been turning upwards in recent weeks. You remember a couple weeks ago, they were down twenty-eight nothing against Michigan, scored twenty-five unanswered. Had a few unlucky breaks. Final score on that was 42-25. But mm. that game was much closer than the score would indicate, especially in the second half. So they, they looked they look pretty good that week. And then, you know, they just beat Wisconsin. Now, a few there's a few factors that worked in Illinois' favor. First of all, that was for Wisconsin's first road game. They'd played all their games at home until that game against Illinois. So that was – it's kind of it's weird to be like almost halfway through the season you've only played at home, right? Don't see that every day. So that helped Illinois. But then also Wisconsin is just not that good. I know I know just from reading message boards, Michigan State fans try to make themselves feel good about getting smacked by Wisconsin by being yeah. like, Well, it's just just a top five ranked team. I'm like, they're not that good, guys. <laughs> like that's the same team that struggled against Northwestern. Yeah. Northwestern Michigan State smacked Northwestern. Northwestern's which not is, good. Which is confusing, right? How that works, because Wisconsin struggled against Northwestern. Michigan State smacked Northwestern, but then Michigan State got destroyed by Wisconsin. It's a game of matchups, I guess. It is a game of matchups, but at the same time, Wisconsin, I mean, that's not to say Wisconsin's a bad team, right? Because mm-hmm. Wisconsin also smacked Michigan. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan is not great. I would say they're good. I would say they're good. And Wisconsin just decimated them. But again, that was at Camp Randall Stadium. And Wisconsin. Yeah. Their first game on the road, they get humbled by Illinois. Now, also, there's some poor coaching decisions. It's like Wisconsin, on their last drive of the game, they had a third and, I believe, 10. And instead of just running the ball and, you know, taking what you get and then punting and making Illinois drive the length of the field to try to get that last score, they decided to throw the ball. And their quarterback threw an interception, and that was really the catalyst that allowed Illinois to drive down and kick that game-winning field goal. So, by the same time, wouldn't you think this Wisconsin team that was ranked number six, and we're all talking about, wow, this is the best defense in the Big Ten since 1973? Wouldn't you think that they would that they would smack around this Illinois team that barely beat uh, UConn? You would think. You would think, and you would be wrong. So, hey, go figure. <laughs> Next game. I uh, was um, Baylor beating uh, Oki Light. I had picked Oki Light in this game, which for the first three quarters looked like my my prediction might have been correct. Then that fourth quarter came through and Baylor turned it up. So they is, sure did. Is Baylor actually good this year? Do you are you are you a Baylor yeah. believer? They're gonna go like ten and two this year. The two teams being Texas and Oklahoma, most likely. <laughs> so the the two best teams. But I'll tell you what. Ten and two, 
might get given how Texas just looked against Kansas at home. They should have lost that game, I think. Yes. Uh, ten and two might get Baylor to the Big Twelve Championship game this year. And so, so they they would have to play Oklahoma twice. But so ten and two be, might get them there. So that would be ten and three then. Yeah, final. Yeah, after the Big Twelve <laughs> Championship, yeah, it would be ten and three. Ten and but regular three. season, ten and two. I just I think the Big Twelve is kind of weak this year, to be honest. Not saying that Baylor. Not saying that I was incorrect in my original assessment that Baylor is overrated. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that I'm not incorrect. And basically, I'm saying I'm probably wrong. That I'm I'm saying Baylor's probably good, but I'm also saying that Big Twelve I think is not very strong this year. And so, yeah, I do. I I think just by default, just Baylor being pretty good, Big Twelve being weak, I'd see that now. It's not to say that, you know, did they play TCU yet? No, they play them. Uh, they do play them, just they just haven't played them yet. Okay. That's the game y'all got to be careful about. Though I don't think TCU is very good this year. That's my whole uh, thing, T- TCU is favored to beat Texas. See? And that's what I'm saying. Big 12 is big. I, you know what? Let's just move on. Check. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about Texas real quick though, because te- we watched that Texas Kansas game because yes, we did. Out of nowhere, Kansas started balling, and I was just confused because it's Kansas. Here's the thing though, Kansas is coached by Les Miles. That's right. And Les Miles, uh, in his what was that one or two years off from coaching, has very clearly learned that he needs to trust his offensive staff. Yeah, he's always. He's always trusted his, his defensive staff. We saw that with the two point conversion. The whole, I mean, the the whole offensive system. Yeah, because Les Miles used to be an offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and anytime you get a coach that was a successful coordinator, they're basically married to their system. They feel like, well, this got me to this point, so that I know what works. You see that at Michigan State, they run. Although, you know, it's it's still a very successful defense, but they they run. Mark D'Antonio's defense in Michigan State. You see it at AM, they run Jimbo Fisher's offense, you know, with varying degrees of success. And at LSU it was the same deal. They ran Les Miles offense. They won now, they won national championship with it. But you also saw that the game had sort of passed his offense by and he wasn't willing to change anything up. Where you see him here at Kansas now, he's like, Hey, look, whatever we gotta do to win this, this is what my offensive staff is saying. I'm just I'm gonna roll with it. That's why I pay them all this money to do, some will roll with what they're talking about. What I meant by when we saw that with the two-point conversion was that, like, it was very clear that Les Miles was like, are you are you sure you want to run the two-point conversion? And, and then OC is like, yeah, we like, let's do this. And he's like, all right, all right, let's do it then. I, that's, that's what exactly I saw. That's exactly what happened. You know? yeah, that's exactly what happened, yeah. <laughs> and so I, was, like, I was happy to see it. <laughs> and so I was like, that was great. Because, I mean, I feel like more head coaches need to, need to do that. Need to, like, you've hired these coordinators for a reason. So you should lean on them. You should lean on their judgment, especially if they've been calling a good game. You should definitely lean on their judgment and just, you know, like be like, you know what? You got it. You got it. I trust you. You know, empower your, basically just about empowering your employees. You know, that's all it is. Exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately, the defense couldn't quite hold on that last drive from Texas. I was really hoping they would, you know, somewhere around midfield, Get them to a situation where they had to attempt a hail mary, but it's still Kansas. So even though, even though Kansas, Kansas actually has some pretty good players like that running back Puka Williams. That guy's nice. <laughs> that dude is really good. He is really good. Their offense is actually pretty good at Kansas, but the defense does not have the horses as of yet. Although judging by what I've seen from Les Miles this year, I think he he can get some guys in there. So 
But I mean, but, also, it's just like, if y'all really not going to cover the middle, which is uh, Sam Ellinger's uh, favorite spot of field, throwing and running, then I don't know what to tell you. Correct. The only team that's done it so far this year is Oklahoma. Yeah, even LSU gave up the middle of the field the entire game. Yeah. But but their offense was just, was just too good, man. Joe Burrow out here. Gang. So we saw Florida beat South Carolina with a lot of help from the officiating. He was an uncalled 46-yard holding <laughs> penalty. Mm-hmm. penalty. Mm-hmm. Like dude just held, as in like the dude, the receiver, held the defensive back for 46 yards. As, a handful uh, of jerseys. Yes, 46 yards. Uh, there was a questionable defensive holding uh, penalty towards the end of the game, as well as an uncalled pick play that happened on that same drive. So uh, what do you make of that game? I thought it was trash by the by the officials. That's one of the worst officiated games I've seen in a long time. Honestly, the officiating has not been great across the board. Remember, UH actually, I think, is 14th nationally in terms of fewest penalties per game. The only the only game where we've had a lot of penalties was against Washington State. Think about how many first downs and touchdowns we had called back on phantom holding penalties Yo. against Washington State. Yo. That's a game that we would have won if not for those BS penalties. And then, then th- th- those were Pac-12 officials. SEC officials have not been great. You know, I feel like every week I'm on Twitter. I, was, I can't see all the games, even <laughs> if I wanted to. But I feel like every week I'm on Twitter and people are talking about how bad the refs are. It's, it's a serious problem. At the very least, the perception is that the, the officials are terrible. And that's not what you want. As a, as a conference, no matter which conference it is, you don't want people every week online talking about how bad your officials are. Especially when you're talking about one of the premier programs in your conference like Florida. You really don't want to give the impression of favoritism with such egregious calls against an underdog who is trying to go for their second straight huge upset in as many weeks. Because remember, yeah. South Carolina beat Georgia last week mm-hmm. at in Athens. And it looked like they were about to do a similar thing to Florida before the refs got involved. So... Yeah, it's definitely not something that, that the SEC wants. They need to get that under control immediately. The one thing I did like about that South Carolina game was the fans starting to throw trash on the field. I appreciated that because that was, that was warranted. I thought that was like, I don't, I don't usually agree with the fans, but in that case, I was like, I was right there with them. I was disgusted. I like how they show they're disgusted. They're disgust, I guess. So then you had... Number 16 SMU is now 7-0 after they handled Temple in a 45-21 victory. So uh, is SMU the real deal, and what will Houston need to do to win that Thursday night matchup? So SMU certainly seems like the real deal. I think we they, they look pretty good, especially on offense. Mm-hmm. They look pretty good. They, they're full-on air raid. They've got an accurate quarterback in Shane Bouchelle, former Texas QB. I actually thought... I still think this. He was he was the better passer at quarterback between he and Sam Ellinger when they were both there. Ellinger, Ellinger when they were both at UT. But Shane had just been so beat up during the Charlie Strong years and early in Tom Herman's tenure there that he needed a change of scenery. I still feel like given an equal chance he would have been more effective but you know coaches come and they want to get their guys in you know and sam allinger was that for tom is that for tom herman sort of his like his own little tim tebow so shane had to find greener pastures and he's got a coach in sunny dykes that is like look we're gonna sling the ball around this is where you need to be 
And that's what they're doing with incredible efficiency. Now, as to your second question, what does UH have to do? Basically, do what we did against Washington State. We have to run the ball, and we have to be sound in our assignments in the secondary. UH actually did a pretty good job against Washington State's passing attack for like three quarters of the game. We gave up a couple plays here and there. If we can get a similar effort and hold them to around 28 points, I think we'll have a chance to win. Especially if Clayton Toon plays, which he practiced. Mm-hmm. According to Dana Holgerson in today's press conference, Clayton Toon, our current starter, because De'Ara King is redshirting this year, yes. he, look, he, he looked pretty good in practice. He was able to complete ooh, practice ooh. and practice hard. So if he, if he plays, he's been pretty good this year in, mm-hmm. in his limited opportunities. He's yeah. passing accurately. He's got some good speed when he can run. So if his hamstring will allow, you know, UH has a pretty good chance because he's going to lead them to up and down the field to score. If he doesn't play, and we have to get continue to, <laughs> to get creative with Bryson Smith and Logan Holgerson, the coach's son, you know, things look a little bit more dicey. But I think as long as we can have Clayton Toon out there, and ideally what I'd like to see since Clayton is not 100%, I'd like to see them do what they did against UConn, where they're sort of going back and forth between uh, quarterback and then Bryson Smith doing some things. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him do that, but with Clayton Toon as the as the, as the starter, yeah. and then Bryson coming in and doing some things. I think as long as I think that's really what they should do for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so. I, 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 that's that's Bryson been the most effective. Yeah, that's been the most effective thing because I don't think Bryson knows the offense as a quarterback because he's been practicing as receivers since the spring. So it's it's tough to just say, okay, Clayton, get some rest, let Bryson come in and just play. But Bryson is a talented enough quarterback that he can he can come in with gloves on and just throw it like fifty yards down the field flat footed. Yep. He, you know, so he's very he's been his deep ball has been pretty. You know, like the the, the, the the three that he's thrown so far <laughs> this year. <laughs> Most accurate quarterback by percentage on the team right now. So and then uh, the secondary, I have to say, has been looking better each week. The defense as a whole has been looking better this each week. I feel like they're finally playing people at their position. Like I saw Grant Stewart look like he was playing more linebacker than nickel um, this past week, and he looked very good because he's he's a linebacker. You know, no, he like, made he made the play of the game against UConn. Remember, he is. ran down the running back. Yeah, we ended at like inside the five. They ended up making a goal line stand. Yeah, and then we and then we drove down. I think we might score a touchdown on that drive. So oh, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. I, I would remember that. It was definitely not a nine nine yard touchdown drive. But we got the stop. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't score, and we held them to seventeen points for the game. So that's pretty darn good of the defense. And shout out to shout out to Grant mm-hmm. Stewart for making that play. So. And to quickly address uh, the, you know, Dana Hogerson, you know, cursing. It, I mean, if you just saw it in a vacuum, it looked like he was cursing out his team. Really, he was cursing out his own son at quarterback because his, his son was, was trash. His son was looking absolute garbage. And if you mm-hmm. saw the game, you would you would sympathize with Dana. And like yes. it, as as a hypothetical father, uh. My, uh, if my hypothetical son did such a thing, I would probably let out an expletive in the moment as well. And so, yeah, don't he's be. Looking, he was pe- looking trash. People whose coaches uh, run a concussion camp should not talk about my coach. All right. Agreed. Yeah. Thing is, one of the things that was funny. So somebody he addressed that at the press conference today. One of the things that he said was, you know, his son told him that he was going to go wherever he was the coach at. So he had originally committed to West Virginia. 
And then obviously Danny came down to UH, so he came down to UH as well. Danny's like, man, that's fine. I'm not going to be coaching you. <laughs> because like, yeah, they have uh, they have a, a separate quarterback coach. So Dana does not coach his son at all, really. So I'm sure seeing his son make those type of plays on the field. Matter of fact, Dana said he's never coached his son at any level. Ever. <laughs> Smart. This is this is the first time he's ever coached his son. He's probably like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, but I mean, people like like you said, people you know who root for schools coached by former UH coaches that have players have to, you know, declare medical retirement because of concussions. Really, shouldn't be speaking on our coach using foul language. You know, it's not like we have like a like a like like a death camp out here, like like some people do in Austin. So that's all I have to say about that. And last off in this highlight reel. Penn State's offense continues to be unimpressive in its victory over Michigan. Unimpressive. At those, I know sometimes I don't enunciate as well as I should. Unimpressive offense and victory over that, Michigan. That was an interesting game because they, they got out to the lead. They were looking good. And I didn't watch the whole game, but it seemed like they took their foot off the gas, which is a very dangerous thing to do. You and I have discussed this many a time over the years. And I think I've discussed it so much that <laughs> I've gotten some people to, to – to come around to my way of thinking on this, which is that when your offense is rolling, you should score as many points as you can all the time. Like you should, like if you like if you if you get to twenty eight in the first quarter, you should try to get to fifty six by halftime. Because if you can get to fifty six nothing in a game, the other team's gonna quit. I don't care who they have on their sideline. If you're up fifty six nothing, they're gonna quit. Whereas if you're up twenty eight to thirteen. That's only a two-score game. They're going to keep fighting. So, Penn State got out to a lead. I think they were 21 nothing, And they, I guess they thought everything was sweet. No. Absolutely not. You got to keep scoring. And the final score is 28-21. And it's a situation where Michigan really should have taken that into overtime. But a receiver dropped a wide-open touchdown. Well, not wide-open. He was, you know, he was slightly covered. But he dropped what should, would have been a short touchdown on fourth and goal with, like, less than a minute left in the game. And Penn State won because of that. And it's just like, man. Oh, also, you know how he dropped it? He didn't have his hands placed correctly. Something else you uh-huh. and I talked about. Yeah, what's up with the fundamentals? Uh, I don't know, like, this disappearing fundamentals in college football. Like, I remember when I was uh, training to be a tight end, right? We had this, or uh, one of my coaches from over the years had uh, me stand with, like, a pole in front of me, and I put my hands in front of the pole, and it forces you to catch the ball away from your body, you know? And it forces you to catch the ball when it's above, you know, above your your shoulders, it's with your thumbs together, you know, below your shoulders, it's with your pinkies. And it's really just, you know, you use your best judgment. It's, it's, how, it's all about a feel thing. It feels right after a while. I don't think none of these boys be doing any of that. Don't be, don't be using the tennis ball machine. Don't be using the jug machine. I don't know what the hell y'all be doing. Because if, if y'all use the jug machine with it on full blast, as I have, you know, you cannot catch it with your body. You cannot, you, 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 you will cave your chest in. I promise you. So let's get back to the fundamentals, people. I'm catch, catching the ball with your hands. I, I, I always love to see receivers who still catch the ball with their hands. And uh, let's, let, let, let's, let's get back to that. Let's get back to that. Next up, 
I want to talk about this like Taylor two quarterbacks thing we got going on between Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. Man, I always mess up his name. I'm sorry, brother. Tagovailoa. I'm sorry, brother. All right, I mess up your name all the time. I'm gonna get it right one of these days. No, Look, you so so yeah, I'm 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 gonna try. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try. Trevor Lawrence, uh, just after you know coming off a national championship victory, is looking terrible this season. He's by thrown, his standards. Yeah, by his standards. Not not generally, but by his. I mean, you go, to go from elite, it's it's like going from like 100 degrees to like 70 degrees, right? It's going to yeah. feel cold, you know. So, uh, eight. He had he's had eight interceptions through seven games, which you know is I'm sure it's like average, right, for like a regular quarterback. But he had four all of last year. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Now, on the other hand, you have Tua, who's play, who's been playing very well, Heisman level. Just like yes. last year, but been lighting it up. <laughs> but he just had an ankle injury, which they first said was a high ankle sprain. But then they said he got surgery on it, which I never heard of no high ankle sprain that you need surgery on. So I don't know how that much, sounds pretty severe to me. Indeed, I, it I is. I don't, I don't know why they're talking about. Oh, he's gonna be back in two weeks. That's a that's a non-surgery high ankle sprain that you can be back in two weeks, and you're still gonna be sore. So I don't know what, but so. I have a few questions for so for Trevor Lawrence. What does he? Wh- why is he looking the way he looks, and what does he need to do to turn his season around? And for Tua, what does this mean for his uh, future? Like, w- like, what do you think he should do in terms of making like a business decision about his career? So for Trevor Lawrence, it's something you and I have talked about on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell he did in the off season besides go to Bible camp because he looks like he. Did not watch any film. Looks like he is not trusting the check down receivers he's supposed to be throwing to. Looks like he's like trying to prove his own hype. Because you remember the other last week, Dabo Sweeney said that Trevor Lawrence is everything Deshaun was, but bigger. And I thought that was ridiculous. I still think it's ridiculous. Now, I'm sure some people point out that Deshaun's last season, he threw 13 interceptions. But he also threw 37 touchdowns. And the reason he threw those 13 picks was because he did not have the same level of receivers that Trevor Lawrence had. Like, I promise you, if Trevor Lawrence, ha- excuse me, if Deshaun Watson was throwing to Justin Ross and T. Higgins his junior year at Clemson, he would have thrown it maybe half as many picks. Like, there's no reason. Like, the, the teams the teams that Deshaun led to the national championship games against Alabama were not as strong on paper as the teams that Trevor Lawrence has been quarterbacking. There's no reason for him to be throwing this many picks. Each one of the picks that he's thrown, he's had a check down guy he could have thrown to that he decided he was going to force a pass instead. He's just making really poor decisions. I don't understand why. It's it's just it's just odd. As for uh, Tua, it's the second ankle injury. It's the same ankle injury that he had in the SEC, excuse me, in the SEC championship game last year. They required what they call tightrope surgery to, to repair the ankle. And he came back basically in two weeks after the big after the SEC championship game and played in the playoff last year. So I suppose he could come back. He kinda if they're gonna beat LSU, he kinda has to play in two weeks. So what I would expect is that he'll just be getting treatment basically twenty four seven until they play LSU. But yeah, in terms of his future, if it, if I'm if I'm Tua 
and I know I'm leaving after this year, after my junior year, I would not, I would not rush back. I would be thinking about, okay, my ankle has been messed up twice now in two years. I'm going to be taking hits from bigger people in the NFL. I need to make sure my ankle is right before I come back. So if that means you have to miss the LSU game, that's just what it is. Because here's the other thing, is they're going to take into consideration that he was not play, he was not healthy for the LSU game. So let's say they go 11 and 1, right? They're probably I mean they'll still win their side of the SEC. Most likely. So then they'll they'll end up 11 and 1 right end of the season. Actually maybe actually would I can't recall if LSU is I think LSU is on their side. So no they won't if they lose LSU they won't go to the SEC Championship game. I don't think. But let's say they don't go to the SEC Championship game and they end up 11 and 1. And then, but then he comes back, and they're dominant the rest of the games that he comes back. The selection committee is going to look at Alabama and say, "Well, with Tua, that's one of the top four teams, so they should be in the playoff, whether they won their conference or not." And now you're in the playoff. He plays well. They go back to the championship game, and his draft stock is as high as it was. So, if I'm Tua, I'm not pressed about coming back because I know we're going to win every game that I play. So that's how I would look at it. What do you think? Uh, it depends on how serious that ankle injury is, because to me it does not sound like a high, it doesn't sound like a regular high ankle sprain. It's not a high ankle sprain. It so required what, surgery. That's Require, what I'm saying. Required the well, same surgery that he had last year. When it, well, when it that's broke. what I'm saying though, because I mean it's like because they they said it was a high ankle sprain when it happened though. So that's my yeah. Whole they thing. came out today and said it was a serious injury. Okay, so then if it's a serious injury, if if, if it's me, I'm sitting out the rest of the season. For who? For what? For who? For what? Like I'm, I'm I don't know. If, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if I would sit out the rest of the season because you don't want to look like you're that injury prone. Well, I'll sit out until I'm healthy. Until I'm 100%. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like because 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 these boys out here talking about oh the reason they were talking about two weeks. No, no, so now at least a month. You better figure it out. <laughs> you know, yeah. Stay, keep I, don't, it, I mean, <laughs> like 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 I was saying, you you can lose the LSU game and still get into the playoff. Yeah, if he go. if he comes back and looks dominant like he was before, so yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, now if if in two weeks his ankle feels great and he's running around like like nothing happened, by all means, you know what I'm saying. But, but if in two weeks like he's gimpy, nah, I would. I'll say this though, I don't. I'm not sure if, if um if that would did, did it. I don't think it affected Ed Oliver's stock all that much. Him sitting out the rest of the season when he got. But he was hurt. also on a terrible team. Oh, that's true. People look at these things differently when the team is good versus when they're bad. Okay. Speaking of Clemson, one of their cornerbacks, Andrew Booth Jr., for whatever reason, during their uh, match against Louisville, which they dominated, he decided to throw a punch at a player. You know, like, I don't... Why, 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 are, we, why are we punching people with helmets on, people? Helmets and pads. Helmets and pads. Like at least rip off the helmet. Like, like I feel like, I feel. Was it Sean Crable? Was it Sean Crable who ripped off somebody's helmet and like punched them in the face? Somebody, one of one of the Michigan players back in the back in them goon days. Something happened like that. At least do that. If you are gonna punch somebody, do that. You know. But that's not where the story ends. It's not where the story ends. So, according to you know. Dabo Swinney himself is ESPN reporting this. Swinney told reporters in his weekly teleconference on Sunday that Booth 
had to ride back on the team manager's bus to Clemson, South Carolina, while the rest of the team flew home. That's about a 450-mile ride. He rode back on our manager bus. That's where it started, Swinney said. The rest of it will be handled in-house. What do you make of this? What do you make of this uh, man, Dabo Swinney? Dabo's lying too close to the sun. That's what man. I make of it. What this is man wrong? Are, this man's out here acting like he's a cult leader or something. What is wrong with these coaches this year, man? A lot. Like, like first is Mike Leach <laughs> talking about they're fat and lazy. And uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that's not, that's not, uh, it's not, it's a, not nice. Yeah. Now you're talking about this. Do you, what, you really you gonna make him ride the bus? For real? That's that's what we doing? After he's working for free? Yeah, it's weird. Like it's funny, it's like the team managers on that bus are getting paid <laughs> to be there. <laughs> exactly. And my whole thing is, you gonna handle it in the house? Well, you so far you did not handle it in the house. The fact that you said that you made him ride the bus—that's another thing. You didn't have to say nothing. You could have just said, "Oh, we handling it. We're handling it in house." Whether you made you him ride the bus or not, you didn't have to say anything. Yeah, say how, many, how, how, how many weeks do players get ejected, and you never hear anything about the punishment? The punishment exactly. is that they got ejected. Exactly. Which of I've course never is, heard a coach address that before. Exactly. Now he's now he's talking about, "Oh, I made him ride the bus home." Is that supposed to warm my heart? Is that supposed to be like, yeah, you you show them boys? Hell no, because I'm not I'm not one of these I'm not one of these quote unquote core fans. All right, I'm a I'm a I'm a person who believes in dignity of of human. All right, Res- dignity and respect. I understand, you know he you know loss is cool and a heavily uh, testosterone filled sport where we're literally in a uh, a field of combat, but we're expect we're uh, Expected not to fight each other in this field of combat. You know, okay, emotions got high. He lost his cool. He made a mistake. You punish him accordingly. But one, I don't think the punishment fit the crime. I think you should just make him do extra drills like a normal coach. Number two, number two, why are you on national, now on national, uh, in front of national media, embarrassing this dude? Saying, oh, like, I made him ride the bus home. Like, just, like, announcing. The reason why most coaches don't announce punishment is because they don't want to embarrass this guy. Like, he's already being punished. You ain't got to embarrass him on top of that. It's like the way we have these parents these days filming the punishment that they're giving their child. Like, embarrassing them on the internet. That stuff is online forever. You're putting this out there forever. He's forever going to be known as the, as the dude that you put on the bus home. That he, like, he, that he's... Like the, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's just such a bad look, and it's it's stupid to me. It doesn't actually. All he's going to do now is resent you, as a coach. That's all he's going to do now. Yep, he should go. If he if he's any good, he should go ahead and transfer to UH. We don't do that stuff over here. We do not. As a matter of fact, you'll be in a. I mean, I know you like close ish to Atlanta and Clemson. You up? You're going to be in a dope city, right here, Third Ward. It's ten minutes away from downtown. 15 minutes away from Montrose, you know what I'm saying? Midtown, no college kids love to go to Midtown. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The Heights mm-hmm. is dope. You know what I mean? East End is dope. Edo is lit. You know what I'm saying? It's right there. It's like right. five minutes right. from, it's five minutes from campus. You know what I mean? It's just up the street from campus. So, you know what I mean? We got it here. Come to UH. Come to Houston. Love it. It's a dope city. It really is. The thing that's funny to me is, you know, having him ride the team bus instead of the plane back with everybody else, actually not that bad of a punishment. 
right? You know, it's not like you know he was like on like in like like the like the cargo hold of a plane or something. <laughs> but I think you really nailed it. it. Is that announcing that and embarrassing him? I think was the wrong move. Having him having him ride the bus is like, oh, if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, behave this way on the field, you can't ride with the team. That's actually fine. I don't have a problem with that in a vacuum. But then coming out and announcing it like that to embarrass him or just like to show like your power over the players, I thought was gross. I didn't like that at all. I think I think announcing it is what was what took it too far. But like the move itself, yeah. I mean, hey, you he that was that was ridiculous to be on top of the guy throwing punches like that. <laughs> Yeah, that that was that was stupid, and I he think. honestly he didn't deserve it. he didn't deserve to fly back on the plane with the team. But to be like, yeah, uh, he well, I told him he had to drive the bus. Was like, yeah, that's that, get out of here. Man. <laughs> Just like give the punishment. And let's move on to the next game. Don't be don't be stupid. Jesus. The last thing I want to do is a quick NFL check in, but it's a little bit different this time around. I actually want to mm-hmm. talk about something going on in the NFL. All right. So, why are we so quick to write off black quarterbacks? All right, let's. Well, let's so, you, I mean, you, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. But you know, what I'm saying, it, it's some listeners that need that that, that I'm sure will get something out of this. So, first off, like, look, we have Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy was good before his injury, before that cr- ridiculous knee injury. All right, mm-hmm. he was he looked good. Yes. So all of a sudden, so so then you know he's out for like a, a year or two. No, he gets fully he's fully recovered. Why are we acting surprised that he's good again now that he's healthy? He was good before he got hurt. Okay, I I, I can understand like okay he, he he's actually getting back to say he's getting back to where he was this fast. Okay, cool. But to be a surprise that he's good at all, like people were writing him off like he was a bad quarterback before he left. And I'm like, he's a pro, he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, why? Yeah. Okay, yeah, they're undefeated with him playing right now. Duh. And then Cam Newton. Cam Newton, you know what I'm saying, dealing with that, that foot, right? Was it foot or ankle? One of, one of the things down there. It's his shoulder and his foot. So now that he's been out, Kyle Allen has had a few, you know, adequate games, good games, good enough to win type games, right? Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden people talking about, oh, Kyle Allen, e- even when Cam Newton returns, they should, they should ride the hot hand. Kyle Allen should stay, should stay starting. They should ride the hot hand. What type of nonsense is that? All right. And then I'll say this. Two years ago, Deshaun Watson gave us a premonition. He said, and I quote, if you pick Mitchell Trubisky over me, you're going to have to live with the consequences that come with it. That's how I see it. I try to stay in my lane. I try try not to take the path. I respect Mitch and what he's done and all that hype he's getting. But at the same time, my results speak for itself. I feel like I've accomplished everything that I could. I guess if that's who they're going to roll with, so be it. They picked Trubisky over uh, Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes. and mm-hmm. But the college tape showed us that both of those quarterbacks were better players even at the time that they were talking about picking Trubisky over those two players. Mm-hmm. So, what? So I mean, I know, I know it's like, but can, can we, is there any other explanation that you can think of other than racial bias? No. That's what I'm saying. So, 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 so and I'll, I'll go. I'll go through your points point, uh, one by one. So, Teddy Bridgewater, he did have a pretty gruesome knee injury. I think we both agree on that. Mm-hmm. But you put him in a system where, okay, so he's playing for Sean Payton, one of the best offensive minds in football. 
he's he's playing in a system with Alvin Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara is injured right now, actually. But he's playing in a system with the Saints that has all kinds of playmakers. They have good offensive line. Yeah, he looks good because he's a good quarterback in a great system with a great coach. Yeah, he looks good. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw. I think I think it's ridiculous. People are surprised by that. He's a good quarterback. He's extremely smart. Maybe he doesn't have. I mean, he he doesn't have Cam Newton's arm. We can throw at the length of the field, but he can make all the throws. And he's in a system that's going to give him open receivers. And he's really smart to be able to get them into the right situations on a play-by-play basis. So, yeah, it, it shouldn't be surprising to anybody that he's doing well. He's in a great system, and he's a, and he's a really good quarterback. Like, like I said, former pro bowler before he got injured. So I'm sure Minnesota wouldn't mind having him back, seeing as Kirk Cousins is trash. So, and then, so to talk about Cam Newton, last year, before his injuries, he led them to a 6-2 and two start where they arguably could have been 8-0. And then he got injured, and he's been pretty trash ever since. Why nobody wants to take his injury into account? I can only be racism, because he looked great. Every, basically, since his since his MVP season, whenever he's been healthy, he's looked fantastic. Whenever he's, he's been healthy, he's looked fantastic. When he's, he's been injured, he's looked bad. Yeah, he's 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 a great quarterback. He is at worst top ten when healthy. Now. The a big part of why he's gotten injured is because like use him like he's a running back at times. But when he's been healthy, he's been fantastic. So this idea that you're just gonna play Kyle Allen, whether Cam's full strength or not, I think is stupid. I also think Cam has not done himself any favors by trying to rush back from these injuries and act like he's healthier than he actually is. That's dumb. Knowing that they're gonna try to run you the way that they have been, you're like it's it's in your best interest to sit out until you're completely healthy. And then come back and ball out. Now, if Carolina wants to be so dumb as to let him go after this season, I mean, hey, if they, if they really want Kyle Allen to be their starter, like if, if Ron Rivera wants to get fired that badly, <laughs> yeah, sure, by all means, let 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 a former MVP go, and let I and do let that. somebody who got benched at UH be your starter. Seriously, I remember years ago I said this. I said that if if the Bears could somehow get Cam Newton, they would win a Super Bowl. Their defense is elite. And they've got enough offensive playmakers that if they had a healthy Cam Newton, they would win the Super Bowl. I I still believe that. And we're getting into a situation where that might end up being the case if the Panthers actually let Cam Newton go. So keep an eye out on that. Keep an eye on that. Like, what was it? Like 2013, 14 premonition I made. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And the last point you made about the Bears taking Mitch Trubisky over both Deshaun and, and Mitch Pat Trubisky Mahomes. Mitch Trubisky looking trait horse crap this past weekend. He lo- he looks so bad. Uh, our, our cousin Kalechi, who is who is a long uh, lifelong Bears fan from Shottown, shout out to Shottown. She t- uh tweeted me asking if we wanted to trade quarterbacks. I said, "Why the hell would I do that?" Yeah, absolutely not. So he, this is that's exactly why you don't take a quarterback after 1 year as a starter. Now, if we, we'll take a step back. So, Mr. Biskey, his one year as a starter at UNC, they went eight and four, right? Not a bad record, but that's the same. It was basically the same team that went 11 and one the year before and got to the ACC championship game and played against Deshaun Watson and Clemson in the ACC title game. And that quarterback couldn't even get an invite to the combine or the senior bowl because he was black. But Mr. Biskey takes that same team, they lose three or four more games. And now you're talking about, oh, this is this might be the best quarterback in the draft. He had some good stats, but when it mattered and when it counted, he couldn't get it done. 
unlike the guy the year before, who once again couldn't even get a combine invite to show what he could do throwing against air. But Mitch Trubisky gets all the gets all the hype. Get, the Bears trade trade a bunch of picks to move up one spot to number two to take a guy that would have been there. <laughs> like that, that's what bothers me too. Like they traded a lot to move up one spot to take him. He would have been there at three. They could have kept their other picks. Or, you know, they could have done the smart thing, which is take either the actually good quarterbacks <laughs> from that draft in Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson on that Bears team, the Bears are probably undefeated right now. Probably undefeated right now with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Or Pat Mahomes at quarterback. But so, no. Hold up. So when – so I'm guessing that, like, North Carolina – you know, Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky's North Carolina and uh, Deshaun Watson's Clemson, they faced off at some point, right? I don't know if they played each other that year. Uh, Mitch is okay. one year as a starter. Okay. Well, because I was trying to, I was like trying to, you know, find that potential matchup, but I, I'm looking at it and yeah, they didn't, they did not play each other that year. So I guess you can, I, I was just trying to see if we could, you know, see, see, that. see like, like, like a head to head. Yeah, but it didn't exist because, you know, North Carolina wasn't good enough that year. With Mitchell at happen. quarterback. Exactly. Go figure. Yeah. So this has been another episode of Run the Play. You can follow us on Twitter at 10 Clock, T-I-N-C-L-O-C-K. All kinds of fun stuff there. Not only can you find episodes of the chicken, of, well, chicken social you can find on the CS pod. That's been archived. But not only can you find episodes of Run the Play there, but you'll also be able to get any episode of anything that we put out it's all going to be on the 10 clock and then eventually be on run the play as well but 10 clock man that's what it's all about it's under all under the umbrella clock don't stop 10 clock cha where can people find you at twitter instagram at cha is nuclear you can check me out check my work out check my tweets out i check my ig story you know what i mean i am kind of interesting that depends on what we're talking about depends on what we're doing also check out my music at nuclearkite.com it is pretty good stuff it is pretty good stuff you should check me out check my man Z's out on the same website he has some pretty good stuff too with two pretty good artists you know I'm being humble right now we dope so yeah do that when you get the chance and yeah that's all I got so for Cha my name is Obes this is Run the Play and we'll see you next time goodbye goodbye